You know, there is nothing more awkward or creepy than darkness. We like light. In fact, in our houses, we put in night lights in our bedrooms and in our bathrooms. We put headlights on our cars so when we're driving at night, we can see what's in front of us. We as people have a need for light. We are drawn to light. We like light. We don't like darkness. But it's been like that since the beginning. In fact, Scripture says it this way in the book of Genesis, when God formed the world, the world was formless and void, meaning it was full of darkness. But Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. And light entered the world and everything lit up and everything changed. And all throughout the, New, the Old Testament, you'll find God referred to as light. No more so than during the time of the Israelites leaving slavery and bondage as they went and began to run from Pharaoh's army and God became a cloud. And then it became a pillar of fire. And, and you find the Israelites following this pillar of fire. And that pillar of fire, when they walked in that darkness, represented God's presence with them. It represented God's protection for them. And it represented God's guidance for them, that God was there to show them the way. And they depended on that pillar of fire. When they wanted to know where to go or they wanted to be reminded that God was with them, they would look up and they would see that fire with them and they would know. And so the Israelites did something that we as Americans don't really do a good job at. They celebrated really well God's faithfulness. And so in the New Testament, they had this feast that was called the Feast of Tabernacles where they would look back for eight days and they would remind themselves of God's faithfulness. And one of the things they would do during those eight days up on the, the Temple Mount. So in Jerusalem, the way Jerusalem was, the temple sat at the very top. Everything went down from the temple. In the Temple Mount, there was this court called the Court of Women. And in the court of women, there were these four candelabra. There were these massive candles that would light up Jerusalem. In fact, scholars would say that from every porch in Jerusalem, you could see the light from the Temple Mount. What did it represent? Well, what it represented was God's faithfulness to their ancestors to be the pillar of fire to lead them. And so for eight days they would celebrate, but at the end of those eight days, those lights would go out and it would be normal again. But for those eight days, they celebrated that God was light to them. It was on that temple mount, it was in that court that Jesus made this statement. I am the light of the world. Now listen, this was more than they could handle. He wasn't saying, I'm coming on behalf of the light. He wasn't saying, I know the light. He wasn't saying, hey, you may have heard, of, I've got some information on the light. He said to these listeners, listen, I am the light of the world. Oh yeah, when the world was formless and void, I was the one who flipped the switch. When the world was shaped in darkness, oh, I was there. I was there with my father and flipped the lights on. The pillar of fire, know all about it. I am the light of the world. 
There has never been a more audacious statement made than when he made that that day because what he was saying was, your lights go out. Mine never goes out. Well, they struggled with it. These guys heard him say that, and Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. And they said to him, where is your father? And he said, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but nobody arrested him because his hour hadn't come. So he said to them again, man, he's just poking the bear, right? Listen to what he said. I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come because you walk in darkness. And today we're going to talk about not only what his statement meant 2,000 years ago, but that that statement saying I'm the light of the world, you and I have got to make a decision with it too. Would you pray with me? Father, over these next few minutes that we have together, would you speak to us? Would you teach us? Would you show us? Would you walk with us? God, we didn't come to church to just hear a message. God, we came to hear from you. And so God, speak to us now, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I have never met you before, my name is Mike, and I am honored that you took time to be here at North Star this weekend, watching online, watching from True North, out on the patio, watching live in the room. We're really, really glad you are all here. How many of you are loving the sun staying up longer. Raise your hand if you're low. Isn't it great? So Ann and I, we had a we had a game yesterday. We had to go get dinner last night because we're stimulating the American economy, all right? And so we're driving down 41, and we're like, holy smokes, it's 7.30, and the sun's still up. It's gorgeous. We love it. Why? We love light. I am not a fan of darkness. I just don't like it, okay? Part of that is we live next to a Civil War cemetery, all right? And so darkness and cemeteries are not cool because I don't want to see General Sherman walking through my yard at night, all right? And so I like light. So we lit up our house. We lit up our yard. Why? Because I don't, I don't like darkness because darkness represents hopelessness, right? Darkness represents despair. Have you ever heard somebody going through a tough time saying, I have gone through a what kind of time? A what? Say it with me, a what kind of time? Dark time. Have you ever heard somebody going through despair going, I've gone through a really light time? All right, no, nobody ever says that, right? Because a light time represents why well, I found hope. I found my way out. When Jesus made this statement that day, this statement, we hear it now and we're like, oh man, they heard it and it was blasphemous. Because what Jesus said that day when he said he was the light of the world, basically he was claiming divinity. He was claiming that I and God are really one and he is light, I am light, and these guys didn't like that at all. They were not cool with Jesus going, I am the light of the world. Not I am one of the lights or I'm pointing to the light, I am the light. And, and here was the issue of the day. He made these guys make a decision. He said there's light and there's darkness. He didn't say, here's a dimmer switch and you can go up and down. He said there's light, I'm getting my steps in, all right, and so, and there's, gotta exercise somewhere, and there's darkness. You've gotta make a decision on which one you're in. You're either in light 
or you're in darkness. And the same decision these guys made, had to make that day, you and I have got to make it. Sitting in here in 2021, we have the same choice. We have the same options. Do I believe he is the light or do I choose to live in darkness? So write down a couple things today. So if you got your notes out, if you hadn't pulled out the app yet, it's probably the easiest way to follow along. You can go to North Star Church, Georgia in the app store and download it really quick. It'll just, um, it's free. And so you can just have it there and it's a, probably the easiest way to follow along. You can email the notes or if you're old school and you're writing on your tablet or you're writing on your pad, let's take down a couple thoughts. Number one, we learned this. Jesus didn't call me to be a fan, but he called me to be a follower. He didn't call me to be a fan. He called me to be a follower. All the, all the time you find Jesus thinning the ranks, right? He would give the speech that would thin the crowd, it was really cool to follow him when things are good, but Jesus was going, there's gonna be some tough times that are gonna come, and if you don't wanna follow me when times are bad, you really are just a fan. Do you know that when the first church started, this is really interesting, when the first church started, there were only, in, in the book of Acts, there were about 70, 70, 70. There weren't 70,000, there were 70. Now, Acts chapter in the, early, in the early books of Acts, you find the church blowing up and a couple thousand are saved on a day. But there were 70. Why? Because Jesus was saying, I'm not trying to attract fans. I'm trying to attract followers. I'm trying to attract people that are all in. Okay, March Madness is going on. How many of you still have a team in the tournament? Raise your hand if you've got a team in the tournament. Okay, my wife is representing her West Virginia colors today proudly over here because they're playing tonight. Both my teams already got knocked out. But anyway, so, but I'll be cheering for her team as long as they're in. She is not a bandwagon fan. What's a bandwagon fan? They're jumping on when the team is what? Winning, right? Everybody's a fan when they're winning. Growing up in Atlanta, if you grew up in Atlanta in the 1980s and you were a Braves fan, you were not a Fairweather fan because they were bad, right? They were bad. You could put two Brave tickets under your uh, windshield wipers in a parking lot and you'd come back for somebody to take them. You'd come back, there'd be six, all right? They were, they were bad, all right? They were not a good team back then. They weren't following. They were just, they were just a Fairweather fan. Listen to what Jesus said. This is really interesting. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever, what's, what, what word comes after whoever? Whoever what? Follows me. So what's the difference between a follower and a fan? I want you to write down a couple things or jot them, thumb, thumb them in your phone. Followers give up control, don't they? Followers give up control. Fans keep control. Followers go, I'm all in. Wherever you lead, I'm in. Fans go, I need to know in advance what's gonna be asked of me, right? That's what fans do. Follower, fan. Followers give up control. You know what also followers do? Followers trust and lean. They trust and they lean in. Fans, they hold out. 
They hold out. They don't want, they don't want to, they don't want to risk too much. They don't want to give up too much. Follower and a fan. Followers stick in. Fans are in there when it's convenient. Right? It's one of the reasons I love when you when you go to a city and you meet die-hard followers of a team. And they don't care if they're winning, they don't care if they're losing. So for Casey's senior year, my son, Casey's senior year, we went to Fenway Park. It was a dream. He'd always wanted to go. I always wanted to go. We wanted to go. We didn't go to visit Boston. We went to see a Red Sox game. I just wanted to go to Fenway. I've never been before. And so we go to Fenway. And because I'm cheap by nature, I bought the obstructed view tickets. All right. And so I don't know if you've ever been to Fenway, but I bought obstructed view. So obstructed view means you're, you're going to sit behind a a pylon, but I'm thinking, you know, they're probably like small. I, I mean, I'm thinking like there's like a little pipe or something in front of us. We sat down, literally, we were both behind this pylon that was just sitting there. And he's like, thanks a lot, dad. I'm con congratulating for uh, graduating from high school. I know that you love me. All right. And so we're sitting behind it and this old man sits next to us and he looks at Casey and goes, your dad's cheap, isn't he? All right, and he's like, yeah, he sort of is. And he's like, I've been coming here for 41 years. I'm a thick and thin Red Sox fan. He's a follower. He saw the guy pitching for the Red Sox and he couldn't stand the pitcher. And he goes, he, he evidently had had it out with the fans and he's like, I ain't gonna watch him pitch. He tells Casey he can have his seat. And he moves behind the, behind the pylon and he just sits there like this for seven innings until that guy got pulled and he goes, give me my seat back. All right, that's a follower, right? He was there until the bottom of the ninth pulling for him. Think of, think of how many people, when the times get tough, the ranks get thinned. Do you know what's happened in the church in the year 2020? I think the ranks got thinned. Got a little harder, didn't it? Got a little tougher. I got to tune in. I can't get, I don't get to go. All those kind of things. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me. He called me to be a fan. He called me to be a follower. But look at number two. Following Jesus changes me from the inside out. Following Jesus doesn't leave me the same. That picture of light and darkness, he's saying, when you follow me, the light of heaven lives in you. Me, you will not walk in darkness. He says in John eight twelve, you will not dark walk in darkness. Why can you not walk in darkness? Because the light of heaven lives in you. Remember that pillar of fire, God's presence, His protection, and His courage, the courage that He gives you. That lives inside you. You will not walk in darkness. I've met so many, um, <laughs> I've met so many people. So I spend a lot of my time on sidelines and in uh, dugouts and in other places and people will say something and they'll go, man, Mike, Mike, I need to apologize for saying that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clean up my language. All right, that doesn't happen in our church office, thankfully. All right, and so, but it does happen when you're in the middle of a competition and listen, we don't change, God doesn't change us from the outside in. I want you to write this down. He changes us from the inside out. 
that light begins to change us. And that light doesn't leave us the same. I want you to write this little thought down, ready? He changes us at the point of our desires. Meaning when that light lives in you, sin for you is a struggle. It's like, man, I feel bad about it. You know why? Because light and darkness are doing this. Light and darkness do not coexist well. Whoever claims to live in me will not walk in darkness. The day that you ask Christ in your heart, that light is in you and for you till the day you leave this earth. How much of it you want will be up to you. Point number three, when I live for Jesus, I will light the way for others. When I live for Jesus, I will light the way for others. All right, can we, we're not gonna get political, okay? But has the world ever been darker than it is now? Never. This has nothing to do with what party's in office. It has nothing to do, but man, just watch the news at night. If it bleeds, it leads, right? Oh, we don't even, I, I listen to 6, 6 a.m. I cut on 7.50 a.m. and I'll listen to it for a couple minutes driving in the morning just to, to know what's going on in the world. I can't watch it. It's just, the world is dark. I was asking Tim, our, our, our lead security guy here on campus, and when are most crimes done? Well, in the dark, right? Because people, it hides, that hide, they hide in the darkness, The world has never been darker. Sounds depressing, but it is a little bit. But when it's dark, what shines bright? What is it? What shines bright when it's dark? Light. It's never been easier to be seen for Jesus than it is now. You're like, oh, they're different. There's something different about them. They don't go through tragedy like other people go through tragedy. They don't go through worries like other people go through worries. They don't go through seasons. They're tough seasons. They're just different. They're not like everybody else. They're, there's something about them that's unique and different. Why? Because light always penetrates darkness. And Jesus spoke to them and he said this statement. Listen to what he said. Again, he spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. And then you and I come in the story. I don't know where you grew up. I, don't, I really don't know how you grew up. I don't know in just in this room, let alone all the people watching today, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what you do for a living, but I know this. When you came to know Christ, God lit it up through you. Well, Mike, people don't even know that I'm a, I don't really talk about it. People don't know that I'm a Christian. Can I ask you a question? How can they not know? How in the world can they not see something different about you? 
And there's something, they just are different. You know what it is? It's light shining through you. And you know what light does? Light gives hope to people. Light says you can find your way out. Light says I don't have to live in discouragement knowing where I'm going. I have the way lit. And we've never had a time people needed to see it more. And here's Easter. There's two times a year people are open for church, Christmas and Easter, if they don't go to church. Christmas and Easter, they're open. And at North Star, we don't go, where you been the last 365 days? We don't do that, right? I'm glad they're here. I'm glad they're here. And I don't know how many people, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, do you know over 80% of people, 80% of people that begin to go to church were invited by a friend? Not by a postcard they got in the mail, not by a flyer under their, uh, their, uh, their, their windshield wipers at the movie theater. They were invited by somebody that said, hey man, would you wanna come with me? You know what we're doing? We're light pointing to light. So I have a question for you today. When Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, is that light living through you, number one? Number two, do you know the light? Do you know the light? He didn't just come to be the light of the Israelites, the Jews. He came to be the light of the world. My light and your light. Would you pray with me? Father, I love that Jesus didn't give wiggle room. It wasn't an A and a B and a C and a D and a all of the above choice. It was a light or darkness. And God, here we sit in 2021 and we gotta figure out who you are to us. Father, there's a lot of people listening this morning, a lot of friends listening this morning that, that say, Mike, I, I know Jesus lives in me, but I don't know if people know Jesus lives in me. I don't know if the light shines in my life like it should. I just felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder this morning going, this one's for you. Would you just take a second right where you are and listen to the Lord? Would you? Do my kids know that I bring them to church, but do they see Jesus in me on Monday? Maybe you're going, man, Mike, I... I don't know him, but I want to. I want to. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It's not that really, there's nothing perfect about these words. It really is just the cry of your heart. It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. 
Did you pray that? I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. I want to follow you. Well, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, if you're watching online right now, you can just chat it right in the chat feature there and let your host know, man, I asked Jesus in my heart. And you just write Jesus. If you're sitting in one of our rooms this morning, Seth and Steph are gonna tell you in just a second about what it means and how to let us know. Father, thank you for being the light of the world. Father, thank you for sending Jesus so we could know the way, and we could know the truth, and we could know the life. It's in his name that we pray.